0: This episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot. I caught up with New Zealand netballer Gina Cramden for a chat just before she represented New Zealand at the 2023 Netball World Cup. Her story is one of persistence and perseverance, and we had some really incredible discussions around leadership and the fact that not everyone is cut out to be the captain of the team and that it's okay to put your hand up and say, maybe I prefer to be vice captain instead. I hope you enjoy this chat. Gina, welcome to the Female Athlete Project. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm um, looking forward to having a chat. I don't know if we've had a Kiwi on the podcast yet, so I think this is going to be a great insight to a lot of our Australian listeners. Um, well, we've got, we've got a real spread. Definitely got some listeners in New Zealand, over in the US and the UK, predominantly Australia, so I think this will be a really cool chat and we know Some of the big sporting rivalries that exist between Australia and New Zealand. Absolutely amazing. To kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about what you were like as a little kid?
1: Oh, what I was like as a little um, kid—very active. I think that was um, sort of my dad's doing. He's a very outdoorsy type um, of person. We did lots of camping and um, activities, water activities, and things like that. So I sort of loved, um, yeah, being active with him and walks and tramps and things like that which probably now i wouldn't be a huge fan of doing tramps and things but um yeah i had a really good wait hang on what's a tramp a tramp like a like a long walk that you go like over some mountain oh do we call those different things like a hike or different yeah it's a hike yeah
0: (laughs) is that is that maybe maybe that's just me not being very good at the outdoors maybe that's (laughs)
1: what the issue is yeah well maybe it's a kiwi thing I'm not sure but yeah tramping hiking same thing yeah cool
0: (laughs) yeah cool how how did you first find netball as a kid uh
1: I first I guess got into it at primary school it was sort of like the sport that my friends did um and it was sort of like join a team and that was it really I loved it from the get-go it was Um, a fun game that my friends were playing so it was like why not and then just sort of carried on from there really what was it about it that you loved I think I've like had this question a lot over the years and I think um what I loved at the time and what kept me in it is the feeling of being in a team like you create these bonds with people like some of my best friends now have been made through netball actually majority um are from netball and I think you know it's hard to replicate feeling of uh, feeling of being in a team outside of sport i think like you go through so much together and obviously you know when you're younger it's a lot more fun and um you train once a week and you have the saturday game and you, you get a pie afterwards and you know that sort of stuff that's like oh, how it's good. Just, yeah, <laughs> just the fun things but later on in life what's kept me in it i guess is yeah the camaraderie and um the friendships and the relationships the people you meet and just like working towards a goal together like whether you achieve that or not or what you go through to get there I think is yeah super special. As a little kid were there any particular
0: athletes that you looked up
1: to? Um yeah well there was obviously lots of netballers I think that I looked up to um like Timipata Bailey um she was a big one for me and then there were people like Irene Van Dyke who were just like legends, Laura Langman, who I actually got to play with later on, which was super crazy Um, at the start. I was like, how is this even possible? I used to watch her um, for years growing up on the TV and things like that. Um, But I also, I mean, yeah, not that lots of people stand out right now, but I think watching the Olympics and things like that as a kid was like the most fun thing ever. Commonwealth Games as well all these things you just watch this amazing stuff for like a couple of weeks like on end and yeah it was really exciting I sort of loved watching it as a kid yeah
0: yeah very cool how did your kind of talent identification go like do, do you remember a point when you were kind of like oh I could actually be all right at this sport
1: <laughs> yeah I think um probably you know I I didn't make um New Zealand secondary schools teams and things like that like other people did my age when I was um, going through my school lean years like I was in rec teams and things like that but um, was never recognized in my school years and I was kind of like oh you know that's all good I maybe won't get there. Um, I moved to Dunedin in 2010 for university, um, joined a club team down there and had a really good coach actually Georgie Salter um, and I think being in that region it was a smaller region compared to other ones in New Zealand and the pathway to the steel, which is the sort of like franchise team down there um, was a bit quick and it was starting to become a reality, like sort of training with them and being invited to games and playing against them and things. So I think that was probably when I was kind of like, Oh, maybe I, you know, would get into a team like that. And I did a couple of years later. So um very thankful for that move for me. I think um, it was a good sort of pathway in um, and I ended up staying there 11 years in that team. So I'm really happy that I did that.
0: (laughs) I think it's a really cool lesson and I feel like in my sporting career I've I've learned a similar lesson around like you obviously like work really hard and you train really hard but there's an element of opportunity and kind of taking your chances when they come is there like when you reflect on what that move did for your career like how do you look back on that?
1: Yeah absolutely I think you know um when I go to schools and and netball clubs and things like that, and they do sort of a Q and A, and they ask, you know, what's um one piece of advice that you give, and I, obviously, it's taking your opportunities definitely, but I think um sort of reminding everyone that everyone has their own journey. Like I I made the civil fans when I was twenty five, I think, and we've got people in this team now that have been here since they were nineteen. So it's kind of like it, you you get there if. if you know, you put in the hard work and, and your opportunity will definitely come. So I think that's something that I sort of try to um, reinforce with people is that you don't have to be really good at 15. You, you know, you don't have to be the one that's like, oh, she's going to be a superstar. Like people will get there if, if they're meant to get there. And I think that's really important to sort of tell young people as well.
0: I feel like there's also an element, definitely an element of patience and persistence in there though. Like what what kind of messaging were you telling yourself throughout that period of time?
1: Yeah. I think obviously it was kind of like disappointing, you know, when, um, you know, people or your peers, I guess, were making these teams and you weren't and, um, things like that. And I think, um, I was still enjoying it though. Like that was the massive thing for me. Like I still loved it. I loved going to training. I loved meeting up with the girls, like doing, going to tournaments and things like that. And I guess that's something that also I got to do, um, that people that were making the ferns earlier than me didn't. I, still got to go to tournament weeks under 21s mpc which is probably like the most fun part of netball you know you spend a week on tournament with the girls and you get up to all sorts of weird things with each other um so that i think that was cool as well like i still enjoyed it so it wasn't a a big deal and if it was going to happen um then that would be cool later on
0: what does a typical week look like for you now now that you get to Do you do netball semi-professionally? Yeah, we're semi-professional,
1: yep. Well, we're semi-professional, but we're (laughs) full-time, for sure. Yep, as a lot of women's sport often is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So a typical week with um, us with the Stars team this year, Um, we train, sort of we have um, a gym and court Monday, um, a gym and conditioning Tuesday, Wednesday is the same gym and court so sorry Monday Wednesday Friday gym and court Tuesday Thursday is like gym and conditioning and then we have a game either sort of Sunday Monday um sometimes a Saturday which is a bit of a treat but um we're sort of like three to four hours a day of training pretty much um and then meetings and one-on-ones and analysis and things like that on top of that so um, definitely busy. Um, at the same time we do have downtime, which, you know, I don't want to sound ungrateful because we do, um, work hard, but we, you know, we do have downtime as well, but some of the girls, um, study still and some work, like I do some coaching work as well. So, um, yeah, it's definitely like we have to keep ourselves doing something else to sort of, you know, fund everything, but I'm super grateful that Nipple was a job for us as well.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's quite, it's a big topic of, um, debate, particularly in Australia at the moment, there's a lot of collective bargaining agreements, negotiations. I know netball have been going through one, um, in AFLW, we're going through one rugby league's been going through one. And there's we're in this real limbo in a way where these female athletes, as you touched on, have full-time expectations of the way that they perform and train, Mm. but are only rewarded in a part-time capacity. Do you feel like in New Zealand it's, it's progressing in the right direction?
1: Yeah, I think it would be terrible to say it wasn't progressing because um, when you think back, you know, even 10, 20 years ago, we're in a, a much better place than I, than I guess they the players were then. And we have to, you know, give thanks to those players as well because they've paved the way for us to have this as a job. And I think back to some legends of the game like Leslie Nichols. She was a doctor and like Millie Lees as well was a doctor. And they. I don't understand how they... have had that job and played for New Zealand as well I just think that's so amazing like and then I think gosh what am I complaining about like I you know we're paid to do this as well and I do a couple hours of coaching a week like it's not that bad but um it's definitely going in the right direction I think there's just there's some parts you know we're expected to be high performance and and everything that we do and then there's some parts that fall short of that in terms of supporting us to be able to do that so um
0: definitely moving in the right direction good answer um before actually before we get into i want to talk 2019 world cup what has it been like to be in new zealand for this real we're seeing a real movement i think particularly reflecting on the um rugby world cup Mm. over there and the Black Ferns selling out Eden Park and beating England, which was a, a pretty big upset. England's going in, England going in as the favourites, and then New Zealand having that line out five meters out from the try, like it was a wild time to watch. But it just was really powerful. I felt watching it from afar and like shifting people's attitudes around women in rugby. Do you feel like that's kind of reverberated more widely throughout women's sport over there?
1: Yeah, I think it's been a massive movement, and honestly, I think netball was trying to keep up with it because. Um, I guess historically netball has been the predominant female sport and it's just not anymore. Um and I think that's amazing. I think that's so cool. That that Rugby World Cup final the women's one was um I wasn't in New Zealand but I spoke to my dad about it and he just said it was the most exciting thing that he's ever watched, like the best rugby game he's ever watched and I think a lot of people felt that way and um good on them, you know, like they deserve to be rewarded for that campaign and I think they have absolutely transformed the way New Zealand and hopefully the world, you know, looks at at female rugby players and I think that's super awesome. And now also we've got the FIFA Women's World Cup happening in both Australia and New Zealand and selling out crowds, most viewerships, like all these record breaking things. And it's like it's just so cool to see. I think it's just amazing. Like and it's not just in New Zealand and Australia, it's all over the world. All these things keep popping up, like the records here, records there people doing this that i just think it's definitely a movement and everyone needs to jump on board if they haven't already
0: (laughs) i couldn't agree more um let's look at the 2019 world cup before the world ended in 2020 (laughs) can you talk us through going into that the final of the world cup in
1: 2019 oh gosh i was super nervous (laughs) that's definitely the most nervous i've ever been um Wow! Cramps and everything like that. It was just, it was horrible. (laughs) And it was in Liverpool. And I think there's about, I think it was like over ten thousand people in in that um stadium. And it um it was super loud. Like the semi final when we played England as well. Um, obviously their home home team, and it was it would have been very loud, definitely definitely loud. Um, I couldn't even hear the umpire. Like. It was just it was a lot. So I think um when we got into that final, I'd like to say that a lot of the English supporters sort of came onto our side. <laughs> um against Australia. I think more sort of just like under There is definitely a bit of hatred, I think,
0: <laughs> between England and Australia in a sporting context at <laughs> yeah, times. So I'm not surprised. By yeah, that. yeah.
1: So that was that was nice for us, I think. Um but I, yeah, walking out onto the court, I was just kind of like, because Knowles, um, our coach, is, as we were going through that tournament, sort of said to us, you know, when you walk out onto the court, wave to the crowd, you know, like soak in the moment. You know, you're never, potentially never going to be here again. People don't get to do this. Like you're one of 12 doing this right now. um, And I think that sort of sunk in when I walked out there and sort of looked up at all these people and was like, oh my gosh, like, this is a World Cup final. um. Yeah, there was a lot of things going in um, around the team at that time um, that sort of made it like, oh, this is just amazing that we're here, like all, all that we had sort of been through to get there. And we had our fossils that we like to call them, um, Laura Langman, Maria Folau and Casey <laughs> Savage. <laughs> I know. They, I think they sort of took it on themselves and then we were allowed to call them that as well. <laughs>
0: Okay. had to get permission in writing yeah, exactly. to call them.
1: <laughs> and if Knowles called them that, then it was all good for everyone else to say it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they, that was like their third and fourth world cup sort of thing. And, and they hadn't been able to get the gold and looking at them, it was like, kind of like, all right, we like didn't feel confident, but confident in the fact that we knew w- w- we could push Australia. We had lost to them by one earlier in the rounds and, Yeah, just I can't describe the feeling after that last whistle went and we had won and, it, yeah, it's definitely probably the best thing that's happened in my life, I think. Like, it's still surreal that it even happened. Like, yeah, it's just a cool thing.
0: (laughs) That's very cool. This episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot, proudly supporting women in sport since 1976. Start every game on the right foot with the right fit. Get fitted in store today or online at theathletesfoot.com for netball, football, running, and recovery. Now that's fit. And then in 2021, you were named captain mm-hmm. of the Silver Ferns. What was that experience like for you to to be named in, in such a prestigious role?
1: Yeah, it was um- – oh it was a lot of things I sort of obviously was never going to say no um to it but (laughs) I felt quite scared um apprehensive um all of those sorts of things um going into it um it's obviously a massive honor and privilege and you know there's sort of only 11 or 12 um captains I think over over that time and um over the entirety of it so um Yeah, I sort of felt the pressure straight away as well. Like, you know, your captain is someone that always does their job. Um, You know, they don't fall under pressure. They know what they're doing. They always know the game plan. They're calm, you know, all these things that I was kind of like, am I I that person? Um, But, yeah, it taught me a lot of lessons, I think. And I I became captain because our captain um, fell pregnant, Amelia Ann, and um, I think sort of knowing that I was sort of, Caretaking that role for a little while was quite nice as well. It was like a, a cool opportunity for me. We went through Com Games last year as well, um, that I was captain for. So at a pinnacle event, you know, it was an awesome opportunity. And um I got to lead a really not young, but you know, um sort of up and coming group. And I think that was also a really cool experience for me, being able to sort of grow and learn um with this group that was up and coming, sort of coming into this World Cup year as well. And um you know handing it back to Amelia and now I feel a lot um better in myself in terms of being vice captain now and being able to support her and I'm totally comfortable with my role and how I can do that so yeah it's been a whirlwind um but been a great experience (laughs)
0: it's actually quite refreshing to hear you talk about the fear and apprehension that you initially felt because I think so often probably kids who are looking up to athletes like it's it's not really something that's discussed and I think there's this idea that as an elite athlete you almost have to be like ready to go and have all these mental skills and all of these things to overcome those kind of feelings but I think it's really cool that you can be like I don't know if I was ready to do that at that point in time. Mm,
1: definitely I think yeah there's a lot um that's come out you know recently as well you know pe- athletes especially talking about um mental health and um how they feel about themselves and look I'm not saying that I had mental health issues or anything like that but um the the fear was definitely there um and I had to call on a lot of people and sort of like talk through it with them um just to make sure that this was definitely something that I could do and I and I guess you know the fear of it is because you want to do it well you don't want to let anyone Mm. down or yourself down or the team and things like that um but like I said, I was never going to let that opportunity go um, and just sort of had to dive in and, and work it out as I was going, really. <laughs> what is
0: your leadership style like? You sound quite comfortable being in that vice captain role. How would you describe the way that you lead the team now?
1: Yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah, i definitely feeling pretty comfortable, which is nice. I think, you know, after that um, 2019 World Cup, we sort of had a mass exodus of our leaders Um, and we were sort of that next group that's taken it up. So it's been a few years now that we've worked on ourselves, um, and sort of progressed through the years. I think my leadership style is, um, I can be quite direct, like I'll say something if I want to say something. Um, but also on the flip side, I totally love to like bring the fun and, um, pull the group together as much as possible, like adding little games and activities in on the side, um, Pretty organized, I would say, like um around the schedule and things like that and, and keeping up to keeping up with it all, I think. And that's something that I guess um works in our leadership group with Amelia Ann and Jane is that we're all so different and, and the things that I bring um help lift the group up because they've got um qualities that I definitely don't. So yeah, I think sort of hopefully well rounded and and get in there into the nitty gritty if I have to.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like it. <laughs> Do you have across your career as a player or as a leader a favourite failure?
1: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely lots of failures over, over time. And I think that's all part of it, isn't it? Um, to have those along the way. Um, you know, there's some games that I can think of sort of in finals and things like that that we've lost. Um, but that's probably not the the one that stands out. I, I, um, I missed out on the 2018 Commonwealth Games um and i sort of had been in the ferns for maybe nearly 2 years leading up to that stage so i obviously didn't think i was you know a or anything like that but i, I thought i had an alright chance of getting in you know sort of being there for that long leading into it um and then missed out on that team which was so devastating at the time um but i got to well, because i missed out i got to have a full pre-season with my franchise team Um, and following that had like a really good season with them leading into that next group that was going to be picked for 2019 World Cup. So um, a blessing in disguise, everything happens for a reason, all that sort of stuff because, um, yeah, it definitely led me to good things in the next year and I think it it was quite nice. I got to just focus on what was happening right in front of me and it also taught me in years to come that you can't, um, you know, look too far ahead. You just got to focus on what's happening in the, the here and now and um the rest will take care of itself
0: (laughs) i like that uh we're on while we're recording this we're on the eve of the 2023 world cup um this episode will likely come out next week once you've already started playing but (laughs) what is your preparation like for an event as big as this
1: Yeah, so we've spent um, the last sort of six weeks together, which has been quite nice. It's uh, definitely a luxury. I guess we had our competition finish earlier than um, other countries, so we've sort of been together um, sort of half a week out of every week the last six weeks, which has been tough um, for sure, like lots of training camps. Um, I think we've sort of had three um, in New Zealand. And we had one on the sunny coast actually, which was, um, pretty hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we've had one, um, in Cape town before sort of coming into the world cup space as well. So, um, it's all about learning our new systems. Uh, um, our coach Knowles has been she watched a lot of MBA over, um, the, the past few months, which Love is that. for her. She's like fully nipple brain, like the smartest coach out and she's taken all of these things from basketball and so has completely um, transformed our defensive structures. So that's pretty much our prep at the moment has been learning these new structures um, and systems and trying to just execute them time after time. Um, Sort of they're adaptable as well, which is cool. Depending on who we play against, you know, we've got a lot of different uh, netball game styles in the world cup. There's the African style, then sort of Aussie and England are sort of the same. Then there's sort of like the Jamaicans and, um, you know, we call them the palm tree group. There's sort of of that that group that play um, different to everyone else as well. So um, we've been learning how to sort of adapt our game plan to countries that we come up against because we're playing all sorts of people. We've got Trinidad and Tobago, Singapore and Uganda who actually really challenged us last year at Commonwealth Games. So, yeah that's what it's been all about recently and um just making sure that we're you know fit and healthy and although I don't sound too random but nasally um you know (laughs) getting getting ready to to play eight games in 10 days that's what it's all about
0: (laughs) it's a lot isn't it how does your how do your bodies go with that it's quite a quick turnaround
1: yeah it, it is we sort of play four games in a row have a day off two day off two so Um, when we tell people from other sports, um, I know one of the girls was having a conversation with a a rugby player the other day saying, you know, we play eight games in 10 days. And he was like, are you kidding me? Like, no way, (laughs) you know, like they play one a week. It's yeah. The difference is, is quite interesting, I think, but yeah, recovery is obviously huge. Um, and the lead up is massive as well. You know, making sure we can handle the load and our, our SMC trainer is very good at sort of um, obviously, you know, doing the trainings for us, but um, keeping us informed of, of how we're looking and our GPS and things tells us, you know, what load we're handling and how it's going to look in World Cup and that we've actually been there before and things like that. So it's all very, um, yeah, high high tech. <laughs> it's very <laughs> advanced comes. these
0: days, all the data, it, isn't it? It is.
1: It's yeah. crazy what you can find out and know. And so I'm glad that, that you, you know, he looks after that and we don't have to worry too much about it. <laughs> Very nice.
0: Yeah, and you talked about the 2019 final, the level of nerves that you felt. Do you feel like individually heading into 2023, you're in a different headspace and equipped with some different skills to deal with those nerves?
1: Yeah, I, I do think I'm in a different headspace for sure. Obviously, like um, it's four years later, a bit older, and um, experienced a lot more, um, a lot more games and and series, I guess, with the Ferns Group, which has been cool. Um, right now I'm feeling pretty like calm and, you know, collected. Um, But I think, you know, all things going well will likely um, come across Jamaica or South Africa at some point, Um, maybe even before the semis. So um, when it comes down to that time, I think it could be a different story. Um, But it's all about, you know, embracing that moment and can you stay composed under pressure? And I guess the position that I play, wing attack, um, you know that's pretty massive for me like I, I need to be able to make good decisions under pressure and um, serve our shooters pretty much like that's my job is just to like give them the best that I can and um, you know they've got the hardest job of putting the ball through the hoop so um, I think that's going to be massive for me this tournament is yeah staying staying calm under pressure and, and really giving out that sort of feel to the group and um, doing as much as I can for our shooters that have to do all the hard work for us <laughs>
0: They've got the most pressure, man. I would hate to be a shooter. It makes me so nervous. Sometimes watching. It's,
1: it's horrible. Honestly, <laughs> even at training, they're like, go have a shot and I, I like freeze up. I'm like, I can't do it. I don't know how you guys do
0: this. Oh, it's stressful. Very stressful. Um, And then post world cup, I read that you're going to be taking an extended break from netball. How did you come to make that decision?
1: <laughs> yes, I am. Um, Oh gosh, it was very emotional um throughout sort of the season I guess trying to make that decision. Um I sort of always knew that this is probably a right time, you know, after a pinnacle event. I'm going to be 32 in December and I'm not saying that's super old, but um you know, sort of You're not a, a good time. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I think like my partner lives in New York at the moment. He plays rugby over there and um, uh, it's just a cool life experience. Like I spent a couple of months there last year after Commonwealth Games and it's the coolest city and you know, he's not gonna be there forever either. So spending time with him and um I guess doing something that we wouldn't be able to do, you know, usually when we're playing netball So yeah, it was tough. I think I could potentially regret it when everyone starts up with their season and I'm seeing everything and I'm like, Oh God, what have I done? Um but I'm feeling pretty comfortable with the decision right now and um, you know, all the focus is on this World Cup and then hopefully afterwards get to enjoy things, you know, outside of netball.
0: Yeah, that sounds really nice. Well, um, it's been awesome to have a chat with you today and I'm wishing you the best of luck in the World Cup until you cross over with the Diamonds and then I'll wish you half, <laughs> half the luck maybe. Um, but yeah. can't, can't <laughs> wait to watch and um, hope it goes really well for you all.
1: Amazing. Thanks, Chloe. It's been great. Awesome. Love your guys stuff, by the way. I've been watching it forever. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks
0: so much for listening. If you got something out of this episode, I would absolutely love it if you could send it on to one person who you think might enjoy it. Otherwise, subscribe, give us a review and make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Female Athlete Project to stay up to date with podcast episodes, merch drops and of course, news and stories about epic female athletes.